This is Ashley Michelle Pappen, Migrant Clinician Network's Project Coordinator on the Best Coast in Project Outreach and Development. And with me today for our On the Move podcast is my amazing and distinguished colleague, Dr. Laszlo Medeiros, MCN's current Chief Medical Officer, and Caroline Johnson, on loan to us from Proteus Incorporated, an agricultural worker support and advocacy organization focused on the upper Midwest states. Laz, tell us why we're here. Okay, good morning, everybody. Um, so Caroline Johnson is uh, the winner of our Kugel Zerwesti uh, Achievement Award uh, recipient. And this is something that we have uh, started a few years back now for clinicians on the front lines who are working with vulnerable populations. And it is a competitive award and we look at the best candidates. Um, and this year uh, we found uh, Caroline Johnson. And um, so we're really, really happy to have her and uh, to give this award to her. Um, and I'm gonna ask a few questions here of uh, how we got here. I learned that uh, she has been an ICU nurse in the past. So we have a lot of things in common as I'm working as a hospitalist and working in ICU in the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but she is working now in a different capacity and I'm going to ask her some of the uh, reasons that brought her out of the ICU and into the outpatient setting. And uh, I'd like to ask about some of the amazing work that you have done. So let's start off with uh, the first thing. What, what led you to leave the ICU and uh, pursue the work that you're pursuing now? Well, my last year in the ICU, I was working nights in a cardiac surgical ICU. So recovering open heart patients and I was pregnant. So I worked up until the day that I delivered. And after having a baby, the emotional component component of being an ICU nurse became much heavier. So I left the ICU at that time and moved to clinic work. And that was when I really developed a love for the one-on-one -on -one interaction that you have outside of the hospital. So that was how I decided to go back to school for my family nurse practitioner. And I passed my NP boards. And then what brought me to do this work is I took a job as a pediatric home care nurse. And uh, my first assignment was a baby who was born at 24 weeks and he was coming home and he was born just after migrating him and his mother migrating from Honduras. So my first job as the pediatric home care RN I spent every day with this family and I went to doctor's appointments with this family and the health disparities that I saw between the care that this family received compared to my experience as a new mother were very different. So when I saw this job opening at Proteus, this was the position that I wanted. Okay, great. And how long have you been at uh, Proteus now? I've been here about a year and a half. So okay. still brand new. Still brand new, still learning the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you been working with migrant populations mostly in that, in that setting? Yes, so we're a nonprofit and we work with 
agricultural workers in the state of Iowa, most of our patients are migrant and seasonal farm workers. And what's been the most challenging thing working with this population that we also work with at MCN? You know, lack of resources, I think is number one. We really have to get creative with our treatment plans. 95% um, of our patients are uninsured. 90% of our patients do not speak English. We have a variety of documentation for our patients. So that presents all kinds of challenges as we identify particular healthcare needs that I may not be able to address myself when we're doing mobile, mobile clinics at the camps. Okay. And uh, so now you've been working there for just over a year. Uh, so you were there pre-COVID and then during COVID. And have you noticed a big difference in your work challenges in the pre to post uh, COVID era? I'm finding that the challenges have been very similar. However, they're magnified. So we've always had issues with housing and basic sanitation and just communal living in general. And now that COVID is here, um, there is a sense of urgency around all of those issues and communicating that urgency to growers and employers has been a challenge. Um, but I think that now they are able to see the correlation uh, and the connection between those conditions and um, health of their workers. So in some ways it's been good, but of course it's been bad as well. Sure. And I know the, the award that you get is not a huge amount, but what will you be able to do with, with the award money that, uh, that you get? Well, one thing that our patients are really struggling with is fresh food during these times. So I, um, I have started to um, buy groceries for families. We have a great produce delivery here in Iowa. They deliver all over the state. And so I'm trying to give back and support our patients as well. Um, and then I'm going to take my husband and my son away for a weekend and just get away from all of this and give them my undivided attention, which has been hard this year. <laughs> that's wonderful. I think that's very healthy. And I think we need to spend time with our loved ones also and recharge our batteries. I think in healthcare, especially, it's always intense. And you know, having been an ICU nurse as well, you know that very well. Um, but all of us, you know, need a break and a little self-care as well, because this is this work even before COVID, I think it has been a marathon and you have to pace yourself for a marathon. You can't, you can't go and do a fast pace here and, and not take care of the ones you love as well as the people that you're serving. So wonderful, good. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any questions of MCN or how we can otherwise help your wonderful work? I don't. We already refer patients to MCN for the um, follow-up care to follow our migrant population with some more um, complicated needs 
that I won't be able to address if they're not in the state, of course. And that has been a huge help to Proteus. So thank you for that. Great, wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's the work that I started doing also 25 years ago as a clinician in Gettysburg and uh, working with mobile populations and trying to get them the healthcare that they needed on a chronic basis and yet only being with them for a short time. So that was my motivation too, to get uh, involved in MCN and, and help that organization that's helped us as clinicians for so many years. So it's wonderful to hear you say that as well. So yeah. we hope we can continue to collaborate together. And if there's anything we can do for you, and as time goes on here, we hope to collaborate with you more and more. Well, and I have uh, to cut in here because Caroline, I don't think you know this, but the the legacy of the award you're receiving comes from Dr. Ed Zeroeste and his wife, Candace Kugel, who is a uh, midwife. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Zeroeste was an early mentor to Laz. So there's a personal connection here that I'm sure would be really interesting. How long have you known Dr. Zeroeste, Laz? How long has it so, been now? Yeah, so... Dr. Zerwesti originally recruited me out of residency. I was a National Health Service Corps scholar and I had four years of repayment at a physician shortage area and South Central Pennsylvania was one such area. And so I, I met Dr. Zerwesti and Candace almost 26 years ago as I was doing research and interviewing for various places around the country uh, as to where I could serve out my, my four years obligation to the National Health Service Corps. And he and I clicked right away and we really enjoyed outpatient and inpatient family medicine, working with migrants and working internationally. So we just clicked right away. And so he hired me on and I worked with him for many years. When he left the Keystone Community Health Center, I became the assistant medical director there for several years. And we've kept in touch. And um, he and Candace have also worked in Honduras, taking medical students down from uh, Hopkins and, um, various uh, Cincinnati, Baylor, et cetera, different places to Honduras. And I've worked with him on that regard as well. And then we also work together at the Pennsylvania State Health Department in tuberculosis control. So we overlap, even though we have not lived in the same town now for 15 years or more, we've mm -hmm. connected through that. And then three years ago, he asked me if I would consider joining him at MCN and taking over some of the medical uh, leadership, which I did. And so we worked together as co-chief um, medical officers for MCN for the last three years. And then just this past year, I took over as, as the uh, medical officer. And he's always been an inspiration to me. The way he teaches is the way I learned how to teach my students as well. Um, and his dedication to serve in um, populations that are vulnerable, that are mobile, that are farm workers, has always been an inspiration. And Candace has been a real mentor to me as well in terms of being a midwife um, and helping deliver babies um, in Chambersburg and in Honduras and other places. So as, as primary care clinicians, we've, we've worked together so many years. So it's a real honor to be, you know, giving this award out um, from people who are my mentors as well. Mm -hmm. So, and thank you, Ashley, for mentioning that too, because Sometimes in my interviews, I may forget a few things here, but the background of, of, the, um, of the award and how people may not know who Ed Zerwesti and Candace Kugel are. Well, and especially since for all of our listeners out there who already know this, but for Caroline, 
they're just two of the most salt of the earth, humble people you'll ever meet. So they're pretty sizable shoes, but I can say after being on the committee that selected you, reading your nomination, you are a worthy successor. Um, and I think, especially given that you uh, had to cut your teeth in your position in the middle of the pandemic, something that I can relate to, nothing like, um, nothing like onboarding in the middle of the biggest global health crisis we've seen in the modern age, right? But let's talk about some of what was in your form. I would love to hear more about the policy that you implemented and how it ended up saving lives. Your boss was really clear that we not forget that you saved a lot of lives with what you did. Thank you. Um, yeah, so one of our most challenging camps during the summer is a family-owned operation and they housed 400 to 600 men in one building for the summer. Uh, they sleep together in bunk beds, army barrack style housing. They eat together, they ride to the fields and buses. And we had significant outbreaks in July of COVID. And reflecting on things that our state public health and state officials may have been able to implement to prevent these outbreaks, we came up with a process as workers who had left for a bit of a vacation in August returned to come back to work in September. And so what we did was we thought of a bus numbering system to keep workers uh, in the same place on the bus during their whole trip from Mexico to Iowa, which can take one to two, sometimes three days, depending on what is happening at the border and if people get held up there. After they arrived on site, we isolated groups of individuals according to the number system, and we isolated them in hotel rooms paid by Proteus. At that time, we arrived within a day of them getting to Iowa and we tested them. We kept them isolated from each other at that time until we had test results, which really I think is the piece that was missed when we did the first round of testing in July. Once we had results and we were able to identify the positives, we pulled out the positives and kept them in positive COVID housing um, providing food and water, and we did um, medical follow-up with them there. But then the close contacts of the positives, we quarantined them for an additional 14 days before they were able to be released and be back in the communal housing situation that they were living in. So really keeping any COVID positive patients, as well as close contacts out of that communal living situation, we prevented outbreaks as they returned for harvest. And we felt that um, there was much, we didn't have any positive cases in addition to the ones that we identified on day one with that protocol in place compared to um, many positives that occurred in the beginning of the summer. So um, we definitely felt the impact there. It was a little bit challenging to get um, the grower on board, but they did 
they did agree with the plan. And I think that we showed them uh, the value of taking a little bit more time um, instead of just rushing everyone in the communal living situation. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you elaborate that for us. That's really important work. And I'm hoping that that model can be replicated in other parts of the country as well. Has, has the impact of testing uh, results returning changed uh, over the course of the last several months for you? Or have you always been able to get pretty rapid return on your COVID testing? So we formed a ta task force with the state lab at the beginning of the summer uh, to bring awareness to all of the workers who come into the state. It's still amazing to me how many people do not even know that these workers come and that they're in our state all summer. Um, so after talking to the lab, we give them an alert that we will be doing a testing event and they are able to prioritize um, those tests. And normally our turnaround time was about 24 hours in those situations, which is great. I, typically we're having to wait like three to four days to get results. So that was a big help having that partnership. That's great to hear. Yeah, I'm really pushing for that kind of turnaround testing for everybody. I know it can happen in college dormitories. It can happen on the National Football League. And it should happen to the people that we call essential workers. So yeah. very good. I'm glad to hear that you did that. Um, so well, that is very fascinating. And Caroline, correct me if I'm wrong, but to Laz's point about other hopefully others following this model, the CDC has actually expressed an interest in your best practices, right? Yes, so our organization did a follow-up call with HRSA who provides our funding for our organization this summer. Um, they wanted to know the work that we were doing and how we were spending the CARES funding that we were given. And we gave them this information as an example because paying for the hotel rooms was a way to ensure that employers would be on board with this plan. So when we told them that we had used the money in that way, they said that that is a representative model of how things should be done. And they asked us to write it up for the CDC. Great. That's a great honor. I, I hope we can uh, take that and, and go with it, like I say, up to the various different parts of the country. And these are, these are things that are working. And I think people like you on the, on the front lines working and uh, figuring out what actually works and what doesn't is really amazing. So all the ICU nurses I worked with always are very ingenious, kind, hardworking, and uh, don't take no for an answer. Oh. I am no exception. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You know, I think this pandemic has been particularly challenging in medicine because we are all taught to rely on research and meta-analysis and studies that have been done over decades. And with COVID, this is a new virus. And we really just had our scientific knowledge as well as our instincts to help guide us through these decisions we were making, especially in the early days. So um, I do not envy any anyone in medicine right now, but I, I think we're all doing a really good job. 
Yeah, it's very great. You guys are probably too young for remembering the 1980s and the initial HIV AIDS epidemic, but we didn't know what we were doing either. And um, that was very, very similar in some ways, very different in other ways, but just the lack of knowledge and the fear and the isolation and all that was very similar in many ways. So we have gone through this before and I'm sure we'll go through it again. And I'm hoping that the combination of you know research, the scientific minds and the people who work on the front lines can combine their knowledge and, and really you know help this uh, through this process. But I think there will be a light at the end of this tunnel. Right now we're still in the middle of the tunnel, but um, I appreciate all the hard work that uh, frontline workers like you are doing for, uh, for this, this cause and for the most vulnerable of our population. So I wanna thank you very much. Thank you too. Um, I think you both deserve credit for what you're doing. Don't sell yourself short in your frontline responsive duties, Laz. But Caroline, is there anything else you want our listeners to know about you, your work with this population, Proteus, anything you want to sort of leave out there as um, a food for thought? I, you know, I am here, I'm a lifer now in, in this realm. I took this job to make things better and I'm still brand new at this. There's so much I don't know, um, but I am committed to making life better for farm workers. And anytime I have thought that this is too hard or this is too much, I just think about farm workers and they are hands down the best population I've ever worked with. And they, they bring me to work every day and they are the ones who remind me to keep one foot in front of the other, no matter what. And Proteus has been an amazing organization in bringing awareness to this population and really being open to anything that we can do to make life better for migrant workers. Well, if I wasn't convinced that you deserved the award before that, <laughs> that certainly sealed the deal as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I do wanna let our listeners know that we will be honoring Caroline with a celebration on December 1st via Zoom starting at 10 a.m. Central or 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, we have a great, great host of activities and speakers lined up, both internal to MCN and external. And we thank you for joining us today to speak with Caroline Johnson. Thank you very much. It was wonderful to meet you virtually as we are virtually meeting almost everybody this year. Mm -hmm. So I hope someday to meet you in person as well. But until then, keep up the good work. And uh, we'll see you in a few days again virtually. Thank you, guys.